Welcome back. This is TKW Draft Season, presented by the Knicks Wall Podcast and Blue Wire Podcast. So we know what the lottery happened. We got the number three pick. It's not what everyone wanted, but we're here to get into what could happen. Joining me today are my two experts, and as I told you guys in episode one, we're going to open up the scope. Mostly we've been focusing on Zion, RJ, Cam, Jared Culver, but now we're going to open it up, and I'm relying on my experts here. First, we have the flex queen herself, Jess Reinhardt. Jess, how you doing? Good. How are you, man? Good, good. Also, we have Harley Geffner. If you, you might recognize him from our Jared Culver debate, Harley's one of my favorite writers, so I'm really happy to have him on. And just in case you wanted his credibility, he's the guy who told me I brought Brandon Clark. So there you go. Harley, what's, up? what's up, TKW listeners? Uh, you might know me from yelling at me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, they're yo know, the Culver people are like the anti Culver people are really just like they are loud, <laughs> loud and proud. I really thought it'd be the opposite. Yeah, you know, I thought so too, but you know, you never know. I was ready to get all right. I was ready to get killed, and I was just like, wow. But uh, yeah, let's get into it. Third pick. So when it happened, what was your gut shot reaction? Um, for me personally, I was crushed. I mean, I knew it didn't make any sense to like think we were getting Zion, but like somewhere in my heart of hearts, I like for some reason knew we were going to get the first, the number one overall pick. I was, you know, I did every single superstitious thing I could think of. I was like, for some reason, convinced we would get the number one pick. So I was personally crushed for a second. Um, but then, you know, obviously as time set in, I came to my senses and said, you know, obviously we weren't. A lot, a lot for the number one pick, and there's like plenty of good options we have right now. Yeah, and for me, I mean, Mike, we had the pleasure of watching the dra- the the lottery together. Uh, for me, it was kind of the opposite in that I was convinced they were going to get the fifth pick. Like I was, I was optimistic, but I just was ready to be set up for for failure, pretty much. And so when it like it was such a roller coaster of emotions, and I've also never been in a bar. And I guess I guess we could set the stage a little bit here. Like we met up with a couple of TKW people, and we were at a bar. And like I have never heard a bar go so like it went completely quiet <laughs> every time. Every time a card was about to be pulled, it was <laughs> the most bizarre setting ever. I was like, I felt like I was in another world. And just the roller coaster of emotions of when they didn't get picked fifth and when they didn't get picked fourth, and then it just all came crashing down and burning when they got third. Um, but it could have been so much worse. I mean, it it sucks that Zion, you know, isn't coming. That smile belongs in New York. I stand mm-hmm. by that. But, man, it, it could have been so much worse. So so I'm okay. Yeah, it's though I hate how ESPN cut out at the top four. Because once the Cavs got it, the bar you Oh, man. It. I, I was feeling so good. I was feeling great. Was feeling, yeah. <laughs> it 
was just such a gut shot, especially. And then the Lakers got forced. They're like, yes, it's happening. And then right <laughs> after, I was just like, ugh. Oh, I hate man. how Kyle last episode, Kyle predicted three right on the mark. And I can't stand that he was right. <laughs> because and I not really only that, one. but also Jared was with us and he kept saying, first pick's going to a small market. It's going to a small market. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. And then, and then it was Memphis and New Orleans and he was just like, I can't believe I was right. Like he was legitimately depressed, like hands in his head in his hands. Like, Oh, Oh my God. But shout out to Jared and Ty for putting that together, by the way. For sure. For sure. All right. So the third pick, we already know Zion's going one. That's a foregone conclusion. And the Grizzlies have all but confirmed Ja. Now it should be RJ, but Harley, I know you're a big Culver guy. Why do you think, do you, first of all, do you think RJ should be the pick? And if not, why do you not? I mean, well, I think it depends. I think RJ right now holds a lot more trade value. And if we have some sort of promise from, Dur- I mean, you know, knock on every single piece of wood I can find. But, you know, if we if we have some some sort of indication that we're going to be getting some superstars this offseason, um, I think the pick is RJ or you trade the pick. Um, but, you know, right now I'm still operating under the assumption that that's not the case. That we're that, And I think that Culver is a better prospect, to be honest. Um, they're both elite, but... To me, I really love Culver because he's just so smart and he has this like really strong frame. He gets so low and he still retains his speed. He's always under control. Um, I just think he's a lethal prospect and I love the way he plays. I'm totally in love with his game. Um, you know, he elevates his game in clutch time. He, you know, his release is a little bit slow and has this kind of like hitch at the top. Um, but he shot better from three last year. He shot almost 39% from three last year. Um, when he was more like floating around the perimeter, kind of picking and choosing, which is, I think, you know, what's going to be happening in the NBA. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a little bit slow, but he's like a crazily functional athlete. Like he generates force from really low angles. He just slips around guys really well. He's, a, you know, an elite finisher at the rim. Um, and when I'm drafting, you know, a lot of people have painted this as like RJ has, a, you know, a lot of really high upside and, Jared Culver is like the safer prospect. Um, but when I think about, about prospect analysis in general, I look for like some elite skills and he has elite level, you know, defensive anticipation, just IQ that plays out all over the court um, and elite finishing, which gives me even you know more confidence that his shot will, his three point shot will come along even, even better in the NBA. Yeah. And that's, that's the one thing with RJ that Culver, you could easily identify. All right, this guy's a defensive stopper at the worst case. RJ's kind of like a jack of all trades, master of none. That's the only, that's probably, I mean, I'm very high on RJ, but that's mm. the one thing that I'm like, okay, maybe people have a point. Because whenever I get into arguments, I mean, we had it in our discussion. I wasn't really able to say, like, other than scoring, but that's kind of like, duh. But yeah. there wasn't anything else where it's like, yeah, RJ's floaters, top notch. RJ's post ups are top notch. Like, stuff like that. I mean, his I aggression went. is top notch, but that's, you know, a double edged sword. Mm hmm. Right. I mean, we see it with Westbrook every day that he's some nights you love him. You think he's a Hall of Famer and then other nights he's a bum. He'll run off your team. So, I, I mean, I like RJ a lot. He's still he's still he's still a, a great prospect. Um, but, you know, I'm not that high on his shot mechanics, um, but he's still 18. So, I mean, that's one of the easiest things to improve. Um, but I, I'm not really I don't know. He just drives me bonkers sometimes watching him like there's like, just like Westbrook, like some nights you're like, Oh my God, RJ's been RJ's so amazing. 
Um, he's just barreling his way to the rim and slipping around defenders and, you know, figuring out some sort of, he's just really improvisational around the rim, which I like. Like he doesn't always look like he has a plan. Like he's not under control the same way, but he always just like has these really interesting finishes. Like, you know, he looks like he looks, I don't want to say Kyrie, but like, he's, he's really nice with those like up and under finishes around the rim, which I like that. Colbert or RJ? Uh, RJ, oh, okay. actually, yeah, I think I think he like uses his aggression. He uses his shoulder. He bumps people really well. He can he can get up and under people. I mean, I think Culver's a little better with the acrobatics around there. Yeah, I love but, Culver at the rim. Yeah, um, but RJ is still slippery. Like somebody, I know somebody. I hate this. I hate the Giannis comparison, but somebody actually mm-hmm. posted a clip of um, of there was one play where it was on Siakam in the last game where where Giannis did this like this step where he put his first sh- his shoulder into his into his chest from like the left side of the basket and like ended up dunking on him from the right side um and somebody commented on how Giannis how that that step is like he it's like really creative use of angles and like and somebody else found, dug up this clip from of RJ from high school um doing that exact same move where he's I mean he's not as long um but that he uses his physicality really well that he really digs that shoulder in and creates that space for himself and like had and you know was able to use long strides. Yeah, mechanic. I want to get more on the shot. We'll get to the rim stuff later. Mechanically, what are you seeing? Because when I look, I just see like I felt like most of his missed shots were due to him missing, like just rushing his shot. Like it's a lot of like unsettled stuff where it's he's like rushing his shot almost. I don't, I think it had more to do with Duke just not having running any type of sets. Yeah, I mean, his shot did look rushed. I also thought he had a kind of low release point, and it was a little bit inconsistent. Um, I think his right his elbow flares out a little bit, but that's a problem that basically every player has until they get to the league. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, you know, he gets solid rotation on it. I still, I like his shot, but I don't know. It just, it just feels a little janky, a little bit broke. It's like inconsistent right now. I mean, I think that again, that's one of the easiest things to improve at the next level. Like once you're working with trainers, and once. Hopefully he'll be in a situation where he's next to other players and doesn't have to dominate the ball and that his sole focus can be on working on his three point shot and closing out on people. Um, I think if that, like if that's his focus of this off season, like wh- whoever he gets drafted by, like I want them to put him with a three point shooting coach and just have him taking like, you know, 500 shots a day. Like I think that's the first thing he needs to do and that'll open up the other stuff for him. I really hope Steve Nash. I know. I think Steve Nash is still employed by the Warriors. I know we talked about this um, on a side conversation, but just having Nash there just to help with his playmaking. Nash is very high on his playmaking vision, which I was shocked by because that's one of the more common gripes against him, so to speak. So I just hope Nash is with him a long time. And also for the Durant narrative, Nash is very close with Durant. So hopefully that lures Durant a little closer to the team as well. Yeah, I saw a clip on Twitter of Durant watching some RJ highlights. That was a great and, uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. But one thing I found interesting, I was scouring Reddit just to find like some things on RJ that maybe I didn't see when I was watching him. On post-ups, he's actually pretty good. He was he only did it he did it so sparingly. I, let me try and find the numbers. I think he shot where is it? Blah blah blah. Yeah, post-ups. He only did it 2% of the time, but he scored – he averaged a point per possession on it. So, Yeah, I mean, he has a body that you would think that he would be, he would be good at post-ups, right? Yeah. Like, he's strong. Like, he, he, you know, he can move his shoulders really well down there. And especially – that's why I think he should also be looked at as a 1-2. I think a lot of people are sour on him because they're viewing him as a 2-3 like Wiggins was. 
And mm-hmm. I think that's not the case. I don't think he's long enough. I think his wingspan was officially measured. I think it's six nine. So that's not ideal. I think he would get gobbled up by Giannis, Kawhi, mm-hmm. those type of people. Absolutely. So I think he could. Do- I think if he does play guard where he should be, I think post ups could be a very big part of his game. And I think he can see over the top really well too, mm-hmm. right? Like if he's you know he's six. What is he six six and a half or six seven? Six seven. Yeah, uh, six six and a half technically. Yeah, but um, in shoes, whatever. Um, I feel like he'd be able to look over the top of people on the pick and roll. I feel like he'd be really good. I think that his most natural position as a, is as a one or a two. And I hope that if he gets drafted, that Fizdale would want to experiment with putting him there. Yeah, Fizdale's been very liberal with his how he controls people, so to speak. I really hope he just lets RJ just go out there and just say, do whatever. And I think my fear is when he does say that, if Kyrie and Durant aren't on the team, do whatever to RJ means, all right, I'm going to hoist up 22 shots and I'm definitely going to score everything I can possibly can. I do worry about his handle a little bit. Like his handle, I feel like his his body kind of moves faster than his brain sometimes. Like he'll leave the ball behind or like the handle is just like a little bit too far away from his body. Like he'll be spinning and he'll like have to like pull the ball around with him. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it's a, little, a it's a little too. loose, it's a little high, um, and I think it gets kind of worse in tight crowds. I mean, obviously he had to deal with a lot of tight crowds at Duke, um, and hopefully he's attacking more off the catch and is not really, you know, at least his first year, not really put into primary creation responsibilities. Um, but I do worry about his handle a little bit. He definitely needs to work on that. Yeah, and the hope is he's the secondary playmaker with mm-hmm. either Kyrie or Dennis Smith, but. If he's not, if he is leading the offense without Zion, he was he was passing the ball. He averaged five point two assists. So it's not going to be a disaster. It's just that he has to in those situations, Fizdale has to really, you know, loosen the grips because if he gets loose, he might just turn into Westbrook. And that's yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's true. But I also I feel like he too often decides like what he's going to do. It looks like he pre decides what he's going to do, whether he's going to passer shoot like he's he's a good passer when he decides i'm gonna be a facilitator right now right mm-hmm. but then yeah. other times he's just like give me the ball i'm taking over i'm gonna get to the bucket any way possible and like you know that'll get better with with more reps obviously but i mean i just i'm loathing kind of, like if this is a possibility of just like running it back with the young guys and seeing just sort of a back and forth of inefficient shot chucking between him and Dennis Smith Jr. I mean, it'd be fun to watch them develop. They both do have like some good playmaking instincts. Dennis Dennis showed a lot of um, improvement as a passer last year, um, but just uh, I feel like that'd be miserable to watch. <laughs> yes, it would be, and that's and it's a valid it's a valid fear because we saw it at Duke, but I also think the Knicks current roster. I mean, obviously Zion takes Zion out of the equation. I think the role-playing in the Knicks better fits RJ in addition to the natural spacing that the NBA is going to have. Like you said, there wasn't a lot of space at Duke, and it really upset me how bad Duke's supporting cast was. How mm-hmm. did they not have a shooter around him? So I think just having Knox, Trier, uh, Dennis Smith, Frank kind of, if he's still here, we'll get to that in a second. I think those guys will just help him make less stupid decisions and run, like settle down more you know set your feet when you shoot just small stuff like that Mm -hmm. i mean i'm not sure i feel like that's just a cast of like kind of people who decision making is a negative trait for like yeah shooting was yeah yeah shooting yeah yeah i mean hopefully having better shooters around him and more spacing will help um you know he'll definitely be able to get like get get into his head of steam and get a runway better to the rim 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I just feel like, you know, Knox is already kind of a so-so decision maker. That's one of the, that was one of his biggest flaws of like Dennis Smith is, is not a great decision maker as is right now. Um, I just feel like that's not a great combination of people to run with, to be honest. And I mean, I'm just like, I'm always a fan of like really good decision makers, really high IQ players. Um, and that's kind of why I'm in love with Culver. That's kind of why I'm in love with like Jonte Porter too. Like those types of guys, I think are the types of guys you should be building teams around. Um, yeah, like two way smart players, you know, like I'm not saying we have to be the Spurs or the Celtics, but like, you know, the Spurs and the Celtics have had a lot of sex success recently. So, you know, they're doing something right. And the fact that you see all those guys and everyone's like, Oh, that seems like a, like a Celtics prospect. Like, Oh, like the Celtics are probably going to grab, grab, grab Porter at whatever, or this, you know, this is an ideal Spurs guy. I'm like, why can't that be an ideal Knicks guy? Like, why can't, why can't the Knicks be starting to think about trying to draft just like smart, you know, smart players who see the floor really well and are good on both sides of the ball. Yeah, that's why I was huge on, well, that's why I kind of felt bad that we passed on SGA for Knox. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it's going to come back to bite us. But I think Art, like, if you add Kyrie, that kind of, I think, mellows things out. I think Knox will do much better if he has the ball in his hands less. Or if we're just playing at a faster pace because, Very like true. you said, he was, he was just, I looked at his cleaning the glass page and I almost had to throw up because it was <laughs> that bad. Yeah, it's not pretty. It was just ugly. Jess, you still there? Uh, yeah, yes, yep. Okay, so mechanically, does, does RJ like? Does anything about RJ scream like "ah" to you? Uh, mechanically, no. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, um, you know, I was going back and forth with RJ and Jarrett, and not only like on the court stuff, but like I'm also always interested in in off the court stuff. Um, and I was listening to the NBA channel on XM radio yesterday in the car. And both of them like interview really well. And you know, when you just listen to a guy talk and you're like, he just sounds like a pro. And I mm-hmm. think with both of them, RJ, especially RJ, just, he just has that, like feel that pro feel that pro mentality. Um, he played for Kevin Boyle in high school, which uh, for those who don't know, it's the Montverde coach. He was at St. Patrick's who, coached you know Kyrie coached uh Embiid at Montverde uh Ben Simmons at Montverde um and the, you know they have that kind of like fraternity with them there was a picture I think from this season of uh Boyle Embiid um and uh Ben Simmons all together and stuff like that I feel like you can't take for granted like just growing up or being around those types of guys and and seeing, you know, the right way to do things. Um, Same with, same with Culver. I loved the interview I heard with him. Um, They were talking about how, you know, he made the decision to go back a second year. Um, They asked, you know, what he wanted to work on, why he went back and just the pride he takes in his defense. And you could just tell, even though it was through the radio, he could kind of like lit up talking about his defense and how he took pride in, being assigned the other team's number one player um and stuff like that i mean you literally you can't teach that like that is that intangible stuff that i think brings guys to the next level yeah agree and that's i think i believe culver's parents were athletes as well right? uh yeah so his like his whole family i think is very athletic they like and he grew up right in lubbock so kind of stayed home to go to college 
Um, and I know like RJ, I think RJ's dad played overseas. Um, yeah. yeah. So they both kind of have that, that nice, you know, those family ties and stuff like that. Yeah. That's, that's another reason I'm really high on Culver. I just love his mindset. And if we're going to trade Frank, which I said, we'll get to in a little bit, but if we're going to trade Frank, I think Culver should take a lot more consideration than he currently has amongst the fans. And I'm sure that's the case in the front office because, Right now, I, if you remove Frank, Dot's probably the only good perimeter defender, and he's not exactly a showstopper. So you really have to address defense because they could score 100 points, but if you're giving up 120, what's the what's the absolutely? Point? Yeah, so, yeah. Culver so just like I creates wanna... havoc on D. I, I I love him on D. He's his anticipation is so good. Like he really he baits people into throwing passes so well that he knows he can get to. You know, like. He'll let he'll open up a driving lane for a second just to close it. Like he's just so smart on that side of the ball. Yeah, and Harley, I just wanted you to dive more into why Culver should would be the pick at three. Let's say Frank gets traded, right? I think if you could get like someone like Kevin Porter Jr. in the late tail end of the first round, and you know that's possible, why would you prioritize Culver? Yeah, like, what I could mean- he bring? I mean, KPJ is instant. Sorry, I'm going to go with KPJ for a second, but he's instant offense. I, I love KPJ. Um, I saw one, I just saw one video of him uh, where somebody said, like, this is kind of, this is what the stars look like, you know? And it was just like a video of him, like, practicing, like, his footwork on, around the three point line. And I was like, yeah, he's right. That is what, that is, that is kind of what stars look like. You know, if anyone, like, I know everyone's seeing star potential for RJ and, Z- and everyone else, but like, KPJ has one of the highest, like, ranges of draft potentials for me like he really could be a non-useful nba player he could be nick young but like not not that nick young's not useful but um but like he really does he does look like he he does have some serious star qualities too um sorry what were you talking about <laughs> i got lost on KPJ. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was just thinking about that video and i was just like fantasizing about it like <laughs> no it's true and i think like if he's someone that you could really get frank for I think it's also. I think it opens the door, it really opens the door for Culver, and ideally this will never happen. But the Lakers are so stupid. I would literally do what the the Bears did in the NFL draft, where it's like you really want RJ. Somebody else is going to trade up for him, so give us something and you can move up one slot. Well, that type of thing, and I would take Culver and then hopefully KPJ. Yeah, I mean, well, the Cavs. Um, I saw reports that they were really interested in RJ, and they were thinking about. And I saw. I'm not sure if there were rumors or not, but I saw that they were like very very high on RJ, and they're the fifth pick. Um, so if you have some sort of intel, the Lakers are going Garland at four, which seems kind of, I mean, they could go Culver at four, but, but I think that we can maybe recoup some assets, uh, or maybe get an extra first round pick if the Cavs are that high on RJ, you know? Yeah. And that could also tie in well to a potential Davis trade, but with Garland, I believe they said the only report I heard Lakers were rumored, but the only concrete report I heard was the Suns at six mm. for Garland, which I think that's pretty. I, I'm surprised the Lakers aren't at least going to try and get Garland, even if it's just for trade bait, because I think Garland's very underrated. Yeah, I mean, then I'd be kind of then I'd be a little bit worried about trading with the Cavs down to five, um, and thinking we might lose Culver to the Lakers at four. Right. Yeah. Because if you lose, I, I think this is a four player draft. So if you lose Culver, I mean, <laughs> sound the alarms because it's going to be hell. I mean, I'm high on Brandon Clark too, but I know that he's you know traditionally thought of as a reach in that area. Um, but I'm really, I don't get why. I'm really high on Brandon Clark. I don't think it's a four player draft. I think Clark is right up there. Um, yeah, I don't understand why he's being ranked so low too. I guess it's, 
people don't think his think think he that he'll need to become a shooter. I mean, he does need to become a shooter, but are not high on. You know, he wasn't a big sh- like catch and shoot player in college, and everyone says, well, he's too small. So if he's going to play the four or small ball five, he's really going to need to be able to stretch the floor. Um, but he was so good at finishing around the rim. And with his like improved free throw percentage, like serious improvement in free throw percentage, and his sort of mechanical overhaul, I think he's a really, really good bet to become a, at least a decent shooter in the NBA. He met Zion at the top of the rim. I mean, come on. Yeah, what more I think do you it's really the, I really think it's like the Gonzaga thing, or you know, lack thereof of just you know though. And I know I talked about this in the uh, when I hopped on this Our lost on this. Well, that but the the sweet 16 app that I came on talked about, you know, what teams I saw advancing. And I was talking about Clark as, you know, potentially being the best player in, in the tournament. Um, But I just thought that with, you know, people not seeing as many of their games because they're in the West coast conference and because they're just on the West coast and their games are always super late. um, I just don't think people, have that knowledge of him and don't see all that potential in him but i'm with you harley i love him so yeah i just hate how rory got so much of the praise like in terms of awards and clark was kind of just like left in the shadows and i thought clark was the second best player in basketball this season to be honest yeah yeah no doubt i don't think that's a stretch by any means at all he destroyed baylor like completely Mm -hmm. killed him yeah, I saw his his PR was thirty eight point one, which would be the highest of any done and NCAA player over the last ten years outside of Zion's forty one point six. That ridiculous. PR by Zion's just stupid. Yeah, I mean they're both <laughs> like stupid numbers. I mean he finished at a higher percentage around the rim than he finished seventy nine point seven percent around the rim. I mean for somebody who is six foot eight and only measured out at 207 pounds. I mean, he has so many elite, elite traits that like, I would not be unhappy. I mean, I know we shouldn't do it because we should trade back if we want him, uh, but I would not be unhappy with drafting him at three. His footwork is just so good. And I think that's what gets him that high percentage of, you know, made baskets. His, his footwork is just, I, I've never seen anything like it. It's the timing to, he's an athletic freak. Elite, elite timing and anticipatory instincts. I mean, he showed the ability to hit some players out of the short roll too. Like he's a better playmaker than he's given credit for. Um, he just had so many like monstrous, monstrous games. More, I mean, he had the Mitchell Robinson thing with more blocks than missed shots in the season. And I mean, I saw some people talking about like, well, his wingspan, his wingspan, his wingspan. And like, I'm thinking like, how like how much evidence do you need that it doesn't really matter at this point with him? Like you play defense first with your feet and your core and then with your wingspan. And he has like such, you know, blessed like core strength and, and feet and anticipation. Like he is just such a defensive menace that like, I'm just fantasizing about him and Mitch blocking shots together. That'd be so good. I know on the TKW pod, I said, if you can't get Zion, this is, not, to call him discount Zion would be an insult, but he if you want Zion and you can't get him, I think Brandon Clark's a pretty damn good consolation prize. For sure. And I think we could maybe even get him with like an eight with that like Atlanta pick at eight. I think that's like very possible that if we were gonna go to oh, go easily. three for eight and ten. Um because I think he actually I mean it's crazy that he was that I think he was hurt by his combine measurements. 
because his combine measurements, in addition to showing he was short, you know, kind of light in a small wingspan, also showed that, you know, he was insane athletically. Like his, his vert was over 40 inches. They like wrongly classified him as a small forward and he destroyed all of these small forwards in the uh, like agility and athletic drills. I mean, he's, he's, I've never seen anything like him, to be honest. He's pretty, he's a very, very unique player with what he does. I, th- I hate how people get so wrapped up with the wingspan stuff. It really is stupid because like Nas Little has a seven one wingspan. So people are going to obsess over him and like, oh, he could grow into this. It's like, yeah, but Brandon Clark is. Yeah. So and if you're if the plan is to win right away, I think you need to get as many win now guys as possible. And yeah, Clark, I think Clark is one of the oldest, if not the oldest of the top prospects. Maybe DeAndre Hunter's a little older, but you could start him from day one and he could be very damn good. And at, the, and at that point, like, I don't think it's not like we're looking at someone that's 30 versus someone that's 18. Like, like exactly. it's a couple <laughs> years. Like, I don't think that matters. Yeah. If anything, he's closer to his prime, you know? Right. Yeah. True. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, don't you want your guys on the prime and like the cheapest possible deals? Like people just blow my <laughs> mind sometimes. Yeah, and I think it would be in, in, if we could trade back for that eight and ten slot. I think that would put us in a really good position if we weren't trading for AD to surround ourselves with to surround like to get some good role players to like play around KD and maybe somebody else at that eight and ten slot. Okay, so I want I want to start with that. All right, so let's say we do do that trade. You're going to target Clark. Who would you target at ten um, to go along with Clark? I mean, if Hunter lasts till then, I like Hunter. Um, I think Thibault is maybe a little bit of a reach, but I've just been having these dreams of like, of building like a completely fundamental, like found a foundational defense around Mitch Clark and Thibault. Like Thibault out of Washington was one of the like, I mean, he's just the same thing as Clark with these like elite defensive anticipation. Um, his block and steal rates are just like out, like otherworldly. Um, can't really shoot yet. I mean, that sort of dream of mine relies on basically Clark and, and Thibel ending up becoming decent three-point shooters with all the space they're going to be given with, in my fantasy, KD and Kyrie running the show. Um, but I just think that like building a defense first, first team like that is a cool idea. And also, you could also go like Brandon Clark and Kevin Porter Jr. at 10. I like KPJ a lot, too. I think Thibel, you could get Thibel. He's projected right now in the low twenties, which I find crazy. I've, so I've, honestly, I've seen him. I've seen him at like twelve. Frank. At like, I mean, ten's a little bit of a reach, really? but I've seen him. I've seen him. I've seen him pretty high on some on some people's things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's somebody I would really like to add, especially if we could like if we are going to trade Frank. The report is saying late first, early second, and that's exactly where Thibel's projected. So I mean, if you could get him there, that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Wow, twelve as high as are these. Has this been the most erratic mock drafts? Because I've seen both, like Bowl Bowl's another one. I've seen him as high as four, and as low as thirty. I've seen so him. I've really seen him in like yeah, like second, like like mid second round. Like it's. I feel like there's there's like such a large tier of people who have like very similar amounts of flaws. Like not similar types of flaws, but like similar amounts of flaws. Like everyone's kind of needs to take a step somewhere to make it happen. And I wish for me, like with mock drafts, the uh, my biggest thing is there's so many different ways you could look at it. And I wish with all these mock drafts, people would give kind of their mindset of how they were doing this because 
you know, my two biggest things is, all right, are you ordering these in terms of um, just overall talent and who you think whoever's better is going in the next spot? Or are you looking at, you know, the team need and everything like that? Because I feel like people can have such different mindsets doing their own mock drafts that like it just it that's how you get it all over the board of Bobo being Mm. so high and so low. It just. I really, I think it really depends on whoever's making like like their their mindset going into it. Um, but someone, I know you brought up Mike, like the potential Frank trade, um, and I was, you know, just reading some different stuff. I was trying to pay attention to the combine, but that's you know can be kind of tough. And I know he didn't have a great shooting shooting day uh, or a couple days, but someone I think that could be there, you know late first early second uh someone like grant williams from from tennessee um i think that could be could turn into you know you're always trying to find those steals like a you know another mitch or something like that like i think he could he could fit into that because he was such a big time player in college but seems like people are kind of low on him right now for whatever reason can you get into i mean harley feel free to jump in as well can you just tell people what Grant Williams is and what he would bring? Because that's a name that was on the TKW offseason app. And when I showed people, they're like, who the hell is that guy? So people knew of Tennessee, but I feel like Admiral took more of like the name recognition. So just give us a quick like intro to who Grant yeah, is. Yeah, sure. So um, like you said, he's at Tennessee. I think he's like six foot seven, you know, um, thicker guy, but can handle the ball. You know, he's he's a forward, but he was he was kind of like their point forward a little bit, like running the offense from the block sometimes can do a little bit of everything had this insane toughness about him. Just this like grittiness. Like I for, I think it was maybe the Florida game. He, you know, after the game they won, he ran into the stands and was like celebrating with everyone. Like, I just love that stuff. And that's like why I love college basketball. And he was just like the quintessential college basketball player who I think just has a bunch of intangibles and, you know, can play defense, score the ball. I, I think he's, he's an, you know, all around type of player. I think he's 20. Um, so, you know, a couple of years um, at Tennessee and yeah, I, I really like him. Word. I, I said this in the Slack, but I think Draymond Green is the best thing that's ever happened to undersized power forwards. In the For track. sure. He's For earned sure. so many people money. <laughs> Cause like, uh, I mean, Grant Williams' role is probably pretty similar, like in that, in that he's he'll be really good in the next level at the pick and roll. Like I think his jump shot might take a few years for his form to actually become consistent from three. Um, although I saw an empty gym video of him knocking down like fifteen in a row, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> take that as what you will. Remember, remember, remember last year when Mo Bamba was like whapping like yeah. six in a row, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, this guy's gonna be the the next future of the center." It's like, yeah. That? <laughs> Yeah. Um, he could also, you know, yeah, speaking so. of, of Draymond, like uh, Grant could definitely be one of those guys who, you know, we saw it last night in that uh, Golden State Portland game. Like Grant could literally grab the ball off the rim and take it coast to coast and mm-hmm. just handle it on his own. Like he, he has that type of Draymond ability for sure. And that's something I think the Knicks really need. I know going back to the third pick, RJ and Jared both possess that grab the ball and then sprint up the court, which I think this team desperately needs because the only time Knox looked comfortable to me was out in the open floor. And we already know Kyrie and KD mm-hmm. thrive in that type of Absolutely. situation. All right. So let's, I just want to get into a couple mailbag questions. They kind of tie into what we've all been talking about. 
So I'll just ask them and you guys just go at it. So should we trade for another lottery pick if possible? We already talked on this with Harley. So aside from the Hawks, is there any other trades that you guys see in the lottery that you like? I mean, maybe that maybe that Cavs swap with at five. Um, but again, I'd be I'd be worried that if, if we're targeting Jarrett Culver, I'd be worried that the Lakers would take him at four. So I'm not sure I would do that. You could almost definitely get Brandon Clark at five, but then at that point, why not try to trade to number eight? You know what I mean? To like to get that eight and ten. So other than that eight and ten, I don't think much makes sense for us. Okay. I agree with that. And also it the problem with this stuff is like there's so many, well, what if this and this happens, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, in in talking about this, we gotta we really gotta think about this A D trade, right? So is it are we drafting someone that we think, you know, would entice new orleans to to get that trade done i think that has to be you know at the front of everyone's mind um get the type of player you know however you can get that type of information of all right what would the pelicans want and and maybe go after that type of player if for nothing else but that um hoping you you make that ad trade um i think that's definitely something you got to think about yeah my fear with trading back is camera like i just do not want camera on this team and i think if we trade back it's just setting up for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't really trust our our decision makers either. I mean, in my fantasy world where where we get, you know, uh, Clark and even like Thibel or or DeAndre Hunter or something like, and we have those eight and 10 slots, the Knicks could easily uh, mess up those picks. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Perry has, Perry's been good. I believe he, I know he did De'Aaron Fox. I think before that he was with the magic when they took Aaron Gordon. So I do trust him to an extent. He also took Mario Hazonia, though. So it's Nick's back. <laughs> yeah. The deeper I look. <laughs> I was just about to praise him. And I was like, yeah, he did draft Mario. So, um, All right. So next question. This kind of ties into what do you think Frank's realistic trade value is? Reports have said late first, early second round pick, which I'll start, I guess, because I think if you're going to trade him, you better get somebody that's at least at his level in terms of readiness or above it because trading for someone like Nas little just doesn't move the no. needle at all. It actually sets it back. So what do you guys think? Um, yeah. I mean, I think late, late first, early second sounds about right for him. Um, I think one name to target is Chuma Okiki. Um, he had a great season at Auburn, six, eight, two thirty, uh, 39% from deep on a large sample size showed a lot of improvement from year one to two. He basically became, I mean, from, what was it, two to three? Um, but he basically became Auburn's best player, uh, elite defensive stats. Um, he spent two seasons in the top 10 in block percentage, offensive rebound percentage, total offensive rebounds, total rebound percentage, defensive box plus minus, although that's the stat I hate that everyone uses, um, <laughs> and defensive rating. Um, he tore his ACL in the Sweet 16, but he was having a great tournament before that. And I think that when it comes to those like late first, early seconds, like the way we get the way you get steals is by like something goes wrong with someone, like right, like either it's an injury that sets them back to that area, or with Mitch he sat out, or unfortunately with Dotson it was sexual assault allegations that made him drop to the second round. Um, but Okiki tearing his ACL might be a blessing in disguise for the Knicks if they are able to sweep to grab him in the late first or early second. Cool, I like that player. I didn't, I didn't think he was going to drop that low, but I'm looking at it now. He's projected to go to Philly with our with our first round pick. Well, our um, round I saw pick. Sam Vicini, so. Vicini or the the athletic guy had him at forty. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's that's a steep drop. But then they have guys like Ty Jerome. Yeah, I mean that's that's just crazy. Well, but, like, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, another guy I like in that kind of range, I think ESPN had him at 19 the last time I looked, was, is Cam Johnson. Um, I I just, I love him. Um, it was one of the better best shooters um, in college basketball. Has a great feel for the game, just like a smoothness about his game. Um, he played at Pitt first, then, then transferred over to UNC, so I think he's he's 23 now um but i th- i think he could he's one of those guys who could you know as you, like you were saying uh harley um or i don't know if it was harley or mike sorry guys but someone said you know you want to get at least the same value of frank in terms of like readiness and um cam just seems like he he has that that readiness about him yeah and then another name i saw you mentioned him earlier harley jonte porter he's projected yeah, on that's the second insane. round is it if he's still, if he's still on the table, grab him and don't even yeah, think absolutely. about it. Wait, so what happened with John he, Porter? He I'm tore not... the oh, same yeah. ACL twice within like a oh. less than year span or like year span or something. Not a Jabari. Uh, so it you know it's it's tough you know it because I don't think um, you know it, it's just like with like. Darius Garland, you know, what what level is he going to be at um, playing-wise? Um, but if you're willing to, you know, maybe sit him out a little bit or kind of buy time, but, you know, knowing that you're getting a solid player out of it. Because, um, yeah, I mean, at times, Jonte, when his brother went out, um, he, he had to carry that team. And uh, I think, you know, did a pretty good job at that. Yeah, give give Jonte the Joel Embiid treatment. Just like a hunt, you know, if he's on the board at any point and we have a chance to nab him, I think he's amazing. I mean, he has a lot of things wrong with him too. Like right, like he at the last combine, he had the highest body fat percentage, the slowest sprint, and the worst max vert. Um, yeah, it was really the triple threat. Yeah, it, it was really really bad. <laughs> uh, but that but that was you know he's still nineteen uh, and he has a lot of these like really high level skills, obvious feel for the game. And he shot three at like 37% on like a kind of high volume, like three and a half per game. Um, and apparently at, at this year's draft, so last year's draft, he was 13.5% body fat, which is crazy. Like he's kind of just this like, was known as this like lumbering big man who could like shoot the three with like high level IQ. Um, just like a little bit of like a mini Marcus or Jokic, um, just stylistically. Um, but his, but at this combine, he checked in at 8.5% body fat. And I was watching some of the interviews. Um, and he, he lost like a significant amount of weight. And like somebody on Twitter said he lost 35 pounds. But like even his face looked like much, much slimmer. And like in the interview, he said, oh, all these teams have been asking me about this. Like obviously you lose some muscle with like a torn ACL and recovery. Um, but I worked really hard to lose a lot of body fat too because I know that was the big knock on me. Teams are saying I was, you know, not in shape. I really needed to get in shape. So I really like put my mind to it and tried to focus on that. And like now I just need to, need to be able to put some muscle on in the right places. And like he said, he was hoping to see the floor again by the end of this year. And that his big goal was to be able to guard one through five. Um, I like the mentality. He just, he's a really, really smart player. Um, I mean, you guys know I have a sweet spot for players like that, but he totally falls into, into my range. I I love him. Yeah. Everything you said, I loved because if you're trying to build, Fisdale has been preaching culture, culture, culture. If you want that, you need guys that put in the work in. And he's listed at 210 now, so I'm assuming that's he weighed like up, upwards of 240 last year. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. But that's, a, yeah, that's somebody you should target. 
high high character guys. Um, let's go into this. This kind of ties into what we were just talking about. Who are some other guys you target if we could land a pick in the thirties or forties? Let's go more towards the forties since we kind of covered the top end of the second round. Are there any guys that stick out to you? Um, I like Nas Reed uh, at, at LSU. Um, he got the Cousins comp a little bit. Um, he's got a little bit of Montrez Harrell in him. He kind of just like plays monstrously. Like he's a little bit slow and methodical, um, but he's he's plenty athletic and he can nail the three. He made exactly one third of his three pointers uh, this past season on almost three attempts per game. Seventy three percent from the line, uh, and they say that the line, the percentage from the line, is actually a better predictor of of success from the NBA three point line than the uh, college three point percentage. Um, he had kind of mediocre block and steal percentages. Uh, but he did show some ability to move his feet on the perimeter. But mostly I like the intensity he plays with. Um, I think he could be a steal that could have a Montrez Harrell-like uh, development curve in the league. Yeah, another name I like was Dylan Windler from Belmont. I saw him when Belmont was playing Ja. And he didn't have his best game, but I started to watch film. He's, he could be a really good DN3 guy because his shot's good. I think he shot, what was it, 30? He shot in the high 30s, I believe. No, wow, 42, 42.9% from three. And he was just smart. Like, he reminded me of Doug McDermott in that he always knew where to be on the floor, and he goes hard. So, like I said, another high-character guy. I don't know why he's projected. He's projected number 31 now, but I saw him as low as when the Knicks pick, which is 54, I believe. Yeah. Um, who else are I like? I like Daquan Jeffries a lot, um, but he seems like he seems to be on every team's radar right now, so I'd kind of be surprised if he dropped down to the 40s. Um but, you know, he's a high-level athlete. He defends really hard, can knock down shots, uh, 230 30 pounds. Um, he's a really good prospect, too. What do you think of um, – what's his name? From Carson Edwards. I couldn't oh, think from of Purdue. for a second. From Purdue. Um, what do you – you think there's too, is there too many guards, or would you say – would you go more um, I just think that there's also a lot of guards in next year's class. Like, next year's class had a lot of, like, high-level high level guards. Um, so, honestly, I'm looking for wings right now for the most part. How about Admiral from Tennessee? Do you anything there um, excites you? Or? No, he's kind of just he's a pretty average player to me. Um, pretty. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say, but he was he was not he was not high on my on my on my board. He was a name I liked at the beginning, just because I lo- I love his name. His the, the merch possibilities yeah. are endless. But I don't know. I don't really was, like anybody. Uh, Who's that guy? After, I think like, uh, that's like showing out at the combine. I feel like everyone's talking yeah. about him on Twitter. Uh, Samanich. I don't even I don't I don't know much about him, but I just saw everyone's talking about him. Apparently, he's having a great shooting, uh, like really showing out in the scrimmages. Um, another guy that I think is on you know the lower end of some draft boards is uh, Jalen McDaniel's out of San Diego State. Um, he I think this year he, he shot uh almost I think it was like forty six percent from the field, like fifteen almost sixteen points a game eight rebounds a game. Um, I think he could be just a solid, like, you know, uh, maybe come off the bench at first, but just a solid player that is kind of uh, a low-risk type of guy. Yeah, another guy that interests me, I don't know much about it. I just see high school highlights. Darius Baisley, I, he was the guy yeah. who was supposed yeah. to go to Syracuse. Yep. He took a year off. It's kind so of a mystery. Have you guys watching? Yeah. Well, so was Mitch Robinson. That's where I was happy. But the main difference is Mitch showed out in those McDonald's All-American games 
where basically I didn't really know of until I found out he wasn't going yeah, to Syracuse. Yeah, he worked at New Balance this year. So yeah, we, he accepted an internship with New Balance instead of playing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, we yeah. Kawhi connection there, I guess. Somewhere. Use him as a recruiting tool for Kawhi's. Um, yeah, just be like, hey, dude, I sold your shoes. I, I love you. <laughs> All right, last question. If we're able to get Durant, but we can't get another superstar, are you willing to trade Mitch Robinson, which is our most valuable asset? For just, just in general, for someone else? Yeah, just okay. in general. Yeah. If we, don't, if we do get Durant, but no one yeah, else. Yeah, Durant, but let's say Kyrie goes. Yeah, let's say Kyrie goes to Lakers, Kyrie, Ky, uh, Kawhi goes to the Clippers. But KD comes. Who do you, who are you willing to part with? I mean, I guess that comes down to the, you know, to the draft. Do we draft? You know, did they pull that off and get the eight and ten? Or man, I just love Mitch. I don't want to part with him. He's just you know, reminds me of like, just like a young deer not knowing how the heck to run and just like. Just out there doing his thing. Um, I guess it would it would really depend on who it's for. Like I I feel like right now had to give you an answer. Like no, I don't want to give up Mitch. Yeah, I think it would. We would. I mean, if anyone wants to trade for AD and doesn't want to include Mitch, yeah, it's happening. Yeah, yeah that, he's like, part of the that, deal. That's like, a non-starter like, if he's not in, included. Like the fact that people think that we could get AD without trading Mitch, that people just our app don't. tells me it's possible, <laughs> so I'm going with it. No, I've made it. I've app. made it happen. Okay, so we, it's possible. Wait, without Mitch? Without mm-hmm. Mitch? Yeah. What was the pack? Oh man, I've done it. I've done it. It was literally. It was literally everyone. It was literally everyone but him. That's interesting. Yeah. I literally every time I traded for AD, I literally had to give up. I everything. think um I asked Ryan about it and he said that uh if you didn't get Zion, then you needed to get everything. But if you did include Zion in the deal for at least when he was programming it for for AD, um, then you can get away with keeping Mitch or, or, or one other person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well If only that, life was like a video game. Ugh. But since so we didn't get Zion, so in that event we have to trade everybody. Right. So if you want AD now, another name I've we tossed around in Slack is Brad Beal. Would you be comfortable giving Mitch? Up Absolutely. For Brad? <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, Brad Bradley Beal is a top fifteen player in the league. He showed. I mean, he really showed out when John Wall got injured last season. Um, and this is assuming we get KD. Um, I mean, I love Mitch too, but I mean, but I mean, <laughs> with KD, I mean, if you have a chance to win a championship, you go for it, and like. He's going to be 31 years old. Like, you want to maximize your championship window now. And, like, the center as a position, I feel like, is one of those that you could always get a useful journeyman. And, like, you know, you could get a JaVale McGee somewhere. Like, you could always get someone who, like, plays the role of, like, either, you know, either, like, the the just the roller, the big man rim runner and shot blocker. Um, or or there's, like, another ar- the other classical archetype of the five is like just like a shooting or like at least one for the modern NBA is like a shooting big man or shooting five who's like, you know, tough on the defensive end and maybe a little undersized. Um, but yeah, I think that you can always find one of those types of guys on the market. Um, and to put and to pair Beal with KD is like really enticing to me. I think that a team with those two guys as your primary, primary options is a, is a really, really good shot to, you know, 
um, is a real, it's a championship contender, honestly. Yeah. I, I love Brad Beal. I agree with everything you said. Also, if we do trade Mitch, I do think there are some options. I know you mentioned Tariq Owens from Texas mm-hmm. tech as an undrafted guy. I think, I think he'd be a nice grab. Even if we have Mitch on the team, because smart guy, he played in that Texas tech system that I think, I mean, just being around Culver, I'm not sure if he transferred when Zaire was there, but just being around smart defenders helps. So I'm hoping. He yeah, he's awesome. I mean, you know, we, he had a he had a big block. I just watched the I just rewatched the Duke uh, TTU game before this, and he had a huge block on Barrett. Oh no, I think it was on Zion actually. Um, yeah, either way, it was really impressive. Um, but he really showed out in the tourney too. Yeah, I thought he, at their times, I thought he was Texas Tech's yeah, second. Yeah, I mean, best he player he looked like one of the best players on the floor, like every now every now and then. For sure. Yeah, I thought he was a freshman for a second. And I was like, well, holy shit, who is this guy? And then I looked him up. So he transferred mm-hmm. from St. John's, I believe. So I like yeah. it. One guy that, um, you know, you, you talking about undrafted guys, Mike, that I'm surprised, you know, usually, um, and all these new rules makes it really hard to tell what guys' mindsets are, right? Because um, if, for those who don't know, like, when a guy, you know, last year it was if a guy signed an agent, you knew that he was staying in the draft because you couldn't sign an agent and go back to college. The rule changed this year where you can sign an agent, but you can still go back to college, which I love because, you know, you need someone to talk with these teams on your behalf so you really get a feel for, um, you know, what they're thinking, um, where they could see themselves picking you. You know, it's why – uh, for instance, last year, Kevin Herter stayed in the draft because he had promises at a certain, you know, at a certain pick level, this team said, if you're there, we are definitely mm-hmm. picking you. He actually ended up getting pick- picked higher than that. Um, so one guy that I'm interested in is Kyle Guy from Virginia because he went out, he said he, you know, was declaring for the draft, uh, but did put in his little statement that, um, you know, this doesn't necessarily mean I'm not coming back to Virginia. Then a day or two later, he sent out another statement saying, I'm definitely staying in the draft. I'm not coming back. So to me, that sounded like, all right, one of these teams must have said, if you're at pick X, we're definitely going to take you. Um, But I I feel like I haven't seen him on like any boards at this point. So I'm really, really interested to see if he does and or where he does. Did he shoot like 43% from three and like throughout his entire collegiate career or some shit like that? He's so good like just shooting wise so good he uh you know he his defense um is okay laterally he can kind of get blown by a little bit but man he can shoot the crap out of the ball yeah, and he's great off movement too which is a really useful skill in the nba like directly transferable and he's really good at that like just like quick like come off a curl and just gets the ball off so quick does that little mm-hmm. leg kick where you know, he had that big foul call for the three foul shots in the NCAA tournament. Um, and, you know, he's just, yeah, I think, and he's a really cerebral player too and, you know, has a good story. And so I'm I'm really interested to see what happens with him. Yeah, hopefully that, I know he has the anxiety issues. Hopefully he gets through that because another guy, Royce White from Iowa State a few years back, I really liked him and anxi- his issues with anxiety just, 
really yeah. held him back. Yeah. So hopefully, guy, well, guy worked. Royce, I mean, he better. couldn't even get on get on planes, right? So that yeah. I think that yeah, was the was biggest bad. thing. Um, it, you know, obviously everyone's situation's different. Sounds like Kyle's in a decent, you know, decent uh mind frame, but who knows it's it's crazy you just don't know what's going on in these front offices right like you have no like we're we're talking about all these things but who knows if <laughs> they're even seeing yeah. the same stuff we are it's 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 insane yeah same all right so two more questions i missed on the mailbag so let's do this one do like i think we kind of cover this earlier do the knicks even consider taking another guard with Kyrie or kemba potentially on the I'm not with dsj on the roster too i, I don't think so yeah and then you said like you said guys like Cole Anthony or Massey are yeah. available next year. I would just wait. All right. Final question. The Knicks need junkyard dogs. They are too soft and nice, except for Mitch and Zoe and Allen. Between RJ and Culver, which player's toughness, all-around game, and competitive stands out? That screams Culver to me. Like, that's just – like I said. Yeah, it's weird because RJ's more outward. Like, you know he's aggressive, but Culver's like the strong silent, killer, si- silent for type. For sure. Where I know I can rely on him. Yes. So – Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. For me, I mean, yeah, I mean, RJ is so aggressive, so physical. Um, but Culver was really good, at least by the numbers in clutch time. Um, he shot fifty six percent from the field in clutch time, which, for those who don't know, means uh, under a two possession game with less than five minutes of the game. Um, he accounted for twenty five percent of TTU's overall points, but forty percent of their points in clutch time, or forty seven percent, sorry, of their points in clutch time. Um, so he just knew how to elevate his game. And, like, I love that Michigan State game where he was struggling with his shot. Like, the, like a lot a lot of people pointed to that as, like, yes, the reason yes. they didn't want to draft Culver. But, and, like, I was like, Which oh, my God. Bad. Like, to me, that was amazing that he was struggling with his shot all game and, like, had the mental fortitude to hold it together and put together a string of, like, three super clutch plays back to back to back. Like, it was he nailed like the dagger three pull up in transition, like really like confidently stepped into it. Um, then he like burrowed his head down and got a bucket and then he got like a game ceiling rebound. Um, I was like that, that game was so impressive to me. And that just showed me that he like has it up there, you know, like he's just really, he's tough when it comes down to it. Yeah. And when you bet on someone, you kind of have this close bond to them. So I bet on Texas tech that game and I was, I went through a roller coaster of emotions and then Culver just went off. I was like, I fucking love this guy right now. <laughs> That's phenomenal. So yeah, I mean, I guess to answer your question, both technically, but if you, I think it all comes down to preference, and I think Culver's probably safer. Just yeah. to give you an answer, both incredible prospects, and we, I'd be very happy to see either one in the next uniform. Yeah, I I don't think there's a losing scenario if you're picking picking either of those two. Yeah, agreed. But uh, yeah, we're going to get out of here. Thank you, Jess. Thank you, Harley. Hopefully you could come back on future episodes because you guys are just great. Um, but yeah, so with that note, make sure you follow them. Harley. Yep, that's is, right. Thank you for Harley having me Gettner, on the pod. Right? No, no doubt. Uh, hopefully you can come back on, like I said. Uh, and to follow Jess at jryan44 on Twitter. Yes, sir. Make sure you follow the Nixwell podcast at TKW podcast on Twitter. Thank you to Brian Gibberman and Anthony Corbo for producing this pod. Thank you for Kyle and Ryan for giving us the platform for this pod. And thank you to Blue Wire for hosting us. 